in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight the first chapter of the letter of St. Paul to his disciple uh, Titus. First, I'd like to give you introduction about this letter. It's clear from the first verse that the author of this letter is St. Paul himself. And he sent this letter to his disciple Titus. He sent this letter to his disciple Titus. Who is Titus? We did not read about him at all in the book of Acts. But according to Galatians chapter 2 verse 3, we understand that Titus was a Gentile. Was a Gentile. That St. Paul actually took him and taught him the way of the Lord. That's why he called him his son. And then he went up with him to Jerusalem to attend the first council in Jerusalem. As we read in Galatians chapter 2, from verse 1 to 5, we understand that Titus went with St. Paul to Jerusalem to attend the first council in Jerusalem. Then, in the third missionary trip of St. Paul, he sent Titus to Corinth. After he sent to them the first letter. And as you know, in the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, he excommunicated one person because he was living in adultery. And also, he discussed many church issues in this uh, letter. And St. Paul wanted to know their reaction after they received the letter, especially after the case of excommunication, how they reacted to this letter. So he sent the titles to them in order to know their reaction. But Titus did not return to St. Paul as was expected in the time or the place that was expected. That's why St. Paul did not have faith in his spirit when Titus did not return back to him and he went to Macedonia. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 12 to verse 13. St. Paul did not have rest in his spirit, so he went to Macedonia until he got connected again with Titus. And he knew from Titus that the people in Corinth received the letter with the spirit of repentance. And they repented. And they uh, developed godly sorrow that leads to repentance. This uh, good reaction. St. Paul explained 
in second Corinthians chapter 7, from verse 5 to 7, and also from verse 13 to 15. After this, St. Paul actually wrote the second letter to Corinthians and sent this letter with Titus. And Titus took the second letter to uh, uh, the people in Corinth and also Titus exhorted them to complete the collection for the poor. And St. Paul uh, praised Titus for doing this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, from verse 16 to chapter 9, verse 5. And after this, after his first imprisonment, and after he was released from his first imprisonment that was in Rome, St. Paul went with Titus to Crete. And he left Titus there in Crete, as apostle, as the bishop of Crete, to regulate the church affairs and also the church government in Crete, as we read in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And then St. Paul uh, left and went to uh, uh, northwest Greece where he was waiting for Titus to come to him. And from there, from Macedonia, he sent this letter to Titus, encouraging him to come and see him, as we read in Titus chapter 3, verse uh, 12. And after Titus met St. Paul in uh, Macedonia, then Titus went to the Mafia, as we know from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, and the Mafia is now Yugoslavia. Uh, this quickly uh, what we can conclude about St. Titus from uh, what's written about him in the Holy Scripture. So again, to review quickly, Titus was a Gentile, he ascended with St. Paul to Jerusalem and he attended with him the first council in Jerusalem. In the third missionary trip, St. Paul sent Titus after he sent his first letter to Corinthians. He sent him to Corinth in order to know the reaction of the people to his first letter. And after this, St. Paul sent Titus with the second letter to Corinth. And uh, then St. Paul uh, was in prison, uh, in prison in Rome, and after he was released, he took Titus uh, to Crete and left him uh, in Crete as a bishop uh, uh, of Crete. After this, he instructed him, as we read in chapter 3, verse 12, to go and meet him in uh, Nicopolis, uh, in Nicopolis, which is northwest of Greece. And after this, St. Titus went to the Mafia, which is Yugoslavia right now, as we know from 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, 4 verse 10. The time and place of this letter, 
This letter, as I told you, was written after the first imprisonment of St. Paul in Rome. And after he went to Crete and left Titus in Crete, and he went to Nicopolis. So, most probably, St. Paul wrote this letter either from Nicopolis or Macedonia, and it was written around year 63 to 66 AD between 63 and 66 AD. And what was the purpose of this letter? As you know, the church in Crete was a new church, a very young church. He just simply established the church there, and he left. That's why he appointed Titus as a bishop uh, for Crete, in order, number one, to uh, supervise the new uh, government of the church and to appoint priests for Crete in every city. Number two, in order to preach the sound doctrine, because there was false teachers in Crete. Uh, and number three, to exhort the people to excel in good works to exhort the people in Greek to excel in good works. So there are three reasons why St. Paul sent this letter to Titus, to encourage him as a new bishop, and a young bishop in Greek. Number one, to ordain priests in every city. Number two, to preach the sound doctrine. And number three, to exhort the people to excel in good works. Chapter 1, which we will be studying today, we can actually uh, divide it into three parts. The first part, which is the introduction or the greeting from verse 1 to verse 4. Then from verse 5 to verse 9, Sir Paul spoke about the qualification, qualifications of the priests and the bishops the qualifications of the priests and bishops. Because he told him to appoint priests. So he explained to him what are the qualifications for the priests and bishops. And from verse 10 to verse 16, he uh, addressed the issue of the false teachers. False teachers. So let's start reading verse by verse. Paul, a bond servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with God's. St. Paul here describes himself with two descriptions. Number one, bond servant, and number two, apostle. Bond servant in uh, Greek language, which is the language by which this letter was written, is dolos. And dolos or dolos literally means slave. Bond servant means like slave. But what does it mean in this context? We read in the Old Testament that after a servant 
serves his master, there is a year in which this servant should be released, to be free, to be set free. But if this servant came and said, I love my master and I want to stay with him, I don't want to leave him. So by his own free will, chooses to remain with the master because he loves him. Then the master fears the fear of the servant. And this servant is called bond servant. Now he is a servant with a bond that never dissolves. This bond will never dissolve. St. Paul, in the same way, he described himself as a bond servant. As if he is saying, by my own free will, I choose to be the servant of God, and I want to serve him the rest of my life. And I am connected to the Lord with this bond by, that, that will never dissolve. I am a bond servant of God. I am a bond servant because I chose this by my free will, by my own free will. I chose this because I love my master. I love God because He died for me and set me free. That's why, although God sets me free, but I enslave myself to Him. In other words, it is not, I am not going to live according to my will, but according to the will of my master. Definitely because he knows what is better for me. He knows what's best for me. That's why I will deny completely my will, and I will trust his will. I will live only by his will. That's what does it mean, the word bond servant. For a bond servant of God. And an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle of Jesus Christ, the word apostle means messenger. So he is carrying a message, the message of salvation. But when he used the word apostle, here he is saying to Titus, I'm speaking with you by the authority that I received from Christ, that I am his apostle. So this teaching is authoritative teaching, the teaching of the Apostle of Jesus Christ. But why God chose St. Paul to be an Apostle? As I told you, Apostle means messenger. What is the message? What he wants to teach and preach? St. Paul said, Apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect according to the faith of God's elect. God knew his elect, and that's why he sent messenger, he sent apostles, in order to preach them, and in order to bring them to faith, in order to make them believe. But what does it mean God's elect? Does this mean God appointed certain people and predestined certain people to be the chosen one and the elect? No. As St. Paul explained in his letter to Romans, 
those whom he foreknew, those he appointed. So the election of God based on his foreknowledge. God from the beginning, actually before the beginning of the world, he foreknew those who will believe in him. He foreknew those who will follow him. And for their sake, God sent the apostles in order to preach and in order to make them believe and accept the faith. So this election is based on the full knowledge of God. So it is your choice to be among the elect or not. If you believe and if you walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, then you are among the elect. But those who deny and refuse to believe in the Lord, then they will not be among the elect. So God sent him and made him an apostle for the faith of God's elect. But what is the content of the message? The content of the message is the acknowledgement of the truth. Acknowledgement of the truth. And the word acknowledgement is more than the theoretical knowledge. The word acknowledge means it is experiential knowledge. Knowledge that came from experience, not just theoretical knowledge of the truth. And that is the role of the apostle, to preach the truth of the gospel, the good news of salvation, and to help the people to acknowledge, to live according to this truth, to absorb this truth and transform their life. And knowledge that does not transform the life of the person is not true knowledge. The true knowledge, the true knowledge is the knowledge that changes our life and transforms our life to the image of God. That is the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, with which accords with godliness. And here, St. Paul is saying, the truth goes hand by hand with godliness. Truth is what? Truth is knowledge. And godliness is the life. So how do you apply this knowledge to your life? If you have the knowledge, but you don't apply it to your life, and this knowledge does not change your life, then this knowledge is not needed. So St. Paul is saying, God appointed me an apostle. Why? For the faith of God's elect, in order to preach the word of truth to God's elect to make them acknowledge this truth, experience this truth, understand this truth, which accords with godliness. This knowledge accords with godliness, means transform the life of, of the people of the believer to be godly life. 
But what is the goal of preaching? He said, in hope of eternal life, in hope of eternal life. Faith without hope can be a burdensome. Why? Because with faith comes the trials and comes hardships and maybe there is a cross. But when there is hope of eternal life, this makes the message of faith easy and joyful. Usually, hope gives motivation to the person. Like a student, hope of success motivates him to study. A patient, hope of recovery or healing makes him endure the suffering of surgery and, and treatment. That's why the message that God wants us to preach is the message of hope of eternal life. And the hope of eternal life, which God can, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So this hope is very sure for two reasons. Number one, this hope came from God. And God cannot lie. St. Paul did not say, who does not lie, but he said, he cannot lie. Because lying is not in the nature of God. That's why the promise of eternal life is a sure promise, is a true promise. Because this promise came from God, who cannot lie. And actually St. Paul in verse 10 will speak about the people of Crete who are liars. So he's making like a comparison between human people who are liars and God who cannot lie. And this hope also is very sure because this promise God made before the time began. So this hope is not under the parameters of time. Time changes. And if this hope was made under time, it can change. But as St. Paul said, he promised this hope before time began. So even before the changeable time, God made this unchangeable promise. That's why the hope of eternal life is so sure. God promised us eternal life. And we have to trust in this. Number one, because he cannot lie. And number two, he made his promise even before the time began. But in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent his son to the world. God sent his laws. God sent his word to the world in order to fulfill the promise that God made before the time began. Again, the promise was made before the time. But in time, God sent his son, God sent his word to the world in order to save us, in order to die on the cross to save us. 
So the promise that was made before the time was fulfilled to us in time. As I told it in verse 3, but has in due time, due time means the time appointed by God, the proper time, the fullness of time, but has in due time manifested his word, his word that is his son, the word of God, the laws of God, through preaching. So the son was manifested, that is his incarnation, and we heard about this manifestation through preaching the word of the gospel, which was committed to me, St. Paul said, was committed to me as an apostle, so he had the responsibility of preaching this message of salvation according to the commandment of God our Savior. God instructed uh, St. Paul and all the apostles to preach the good news of salvation. And that's why he called him here our Savior, because the message of salvation. So again, to summarize these three verses, St. Paul said, I am a born servant and apostle of God. As an apostle, he has a message. What is this message? It is the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with darkness. The message is the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with darkness. This message for whom? For the faith of God's elect. And what is the goal of this message? It is the hope of eternal life. And this hope of eternal life was promised by God who cannot lie. And also was promised before the time began. But in the fullness of time, God sent His Son, God sent His Word to us to fulfill this promise. And commanded St. Paul and the Apostle to preach this message of salvation to the believers. That's how St. Paul defined himself in the beginning of this chapter. Verse 4, he said, this letter is sent to Titus. This letter is sent to Titus. A true son in our common faith. True son, because as I told you, Titus was a Gentile, but believed uh, at the hands of St. Paul. And we called him true son because he is living in the truth. And in our common faith, because it is the faith that delivered to us from Jesus Christ and his disciples. It is the true faith. And this faith is common to all the believers. It is one faith. So the faith of Titus is the same faith of St. Paul. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Usually St. Paul used these two words, grace and peace, grace and peace. And all of us, we need grace and peace in our life. Grace is this power of God that helps us 
to accomplish and to fulfill and to live our life with Him. And without grace, we cannot accomplish anything. So all of us, we need the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we cannot survive. And all of us also, we need the peace. Because living in a world that is full of sin and hardship, we need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So usually St. Paul said grace and peace. But here he adds mercy. He adds mercy. Maybe he adds mercy because, as we will say, the people in Crete were sinners and were not living godly life. That's why they need the mercy of God. As we say in the Divine Liturgy, according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. So when our sins abound, actually we appeal to the mercy of God. That's why we call him grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete. Now St. Paul is reminding Titus, his disciple, the reason of leaving him behind in Crete. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should sit in order the things that are lacking. You should sit in order the things that are lacking. Apparently St. Paul preached in, in, in Crete, many people believed, but he had to leave. And there were many things that need to be organized. That's why he left Titus, in order to take care of these things. And this indicates the importance of the oral tradition. St. Paul apparently gives certain instruction to Titus, oral instruction. And now he's reminding him to sit in order the things that are lacking. Another point we see here how St. Paul takes care of his people and his children. He did not start ministry in Greece and then left them unattended. But he started a mission there, then he, he appointed a bishop, Titus, to take care of this mission. And this shows the true fatherhood in uh, the character of St. Paul. So he told him, for this reason I left you in Greek, that you should set in order the things that are black. Another point, the church is a church of order, God is God of order. That's why everything has to go according to certain order, certain rites, certain ritual, to set in order the things that are lacking. Because God is not God of chaos, God is God of order. And appoint elders, elders means priests, appoint priests in every city as I commanded you. 
And again, this is a little in in pastoral care. In every city, don't leave any city unattended. You need to appoint priests in every city in order to take care of the people. Verse 6, he starts to describe to him how he chooses the priest. What are the qualifications of the clergy? He told him, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or in subordination. So, the first point here, Sir Paul told him, look at the whole family, not only at the person but the whole family. Why? Because if the, this man cannot take care of his family, how he will be entrusted with the church of God, the family of God? A person who cannot take care of his own personal family should not be entrusted to take care of the family of God. That's why he told him, he has to be blameless. And I want to bring your attention here, he didn't say without sin, but he said without blame. What's the difference between without sin and without blame? Nobody is without sin. And if you told him you need to choose a person who is sinless, actually it's impossible to find a person who is sinless. But without blame means there is nothing is ruled against him. There is no big charge against him. Because this person will be the representative of God, will be the steward of God. That's why he should not be blamed. He has to be blamed. And he gives him some, some points that can blame this person. One point if he was married to more than one wife. Because God, the plan of God or the economy of God in marriage, from the beginning he created them man and woman. God did not create four women and one man. A man and a woman. So the, 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 the one wife, the principle of one wife, so this is in God's economy, in God's plan. This is how God created us. And the person who will be serving as a priest, he should demonstrate that he is living according to the economy of God, according to the plan of God, to God's will in our life. That's why he said, husband of one wife. And also, Another thing that can blame a priest, he sends his children if they are not raised according to the biblical truth and if, and if they are not living a godly life. That's why he said, having faithful children. Because if his children are rebellion, for example, the people will, will ask and will question, 
how this man can teach our children while he cannot teach his own children. That's why St. Paul said, having faithful children. Faithful children means they are believers and active in the Church of God. And he mentioned two things especially about uh, the, the children. Number one, not accused of dissipation. Not accused of dissipation. They are not living loose life, but they are disciplined. They are not conforming to the world, but they are living according to the commandments of God. And number two, not accused to be in subordinate, which means rebellion. They are obedient. They, they don't rebel against God, against the church, against their parents, or against the authorities. A disciplined child is a child who does not rebel, but living according to uh, the commandment of God. So that's number one in the qualification of the clergy. His family should be blameless, husband of one wife. Number two, uh, have visible children. Number three, these children are not accused with dissipation or insubordination. The second point that we should consider how he deals with his passions and desires whether he controls his passions and desires or not. That's why he said in verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, as a steward of God. The priest or the bishop, they are steward of God, which means they are the representative of God. When we see them, we see Christ in them, that they are our role model. And in the Orthodox theology, we call the bishop the icon of Christ, which means through him we see Christ. So as a steward of God, they have to be blameless and to show God in their life, to be in the image and in the likeness of Christ. It is a great responsibility. So, as a steward of God, to be not self-willed, not self-willed. What does it mean, self-willed? This means he is not like a controller. He is not uh, opinionated and refused any discussion and does not listen to any opinions. The priest or the bishop that does not or refuse to listen to others and to take feedbacks from others, he is not living according to the will of God. Why? Wow. Do you remember when God said to Moses, 
I will destroy the nation of Israel and I will make you a big nation instead of them. And Moses told him, No, if you are going to do this, wipe my name from the book of life. And that, what did he do? He accepted the intercession of Moses. So that himself actually listened to Moses and accepted his intercession. God did, did the same with Abraham when Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told him, if there are 50 persons in Sodom and Gomorrah, are you going to destroy the city? But God told him, no. If there are 50, I will not destroy the city. And so Abraham started to negotiate with God. And then actually the count went down to 10 persons. And God was willing to listen to Abraham. So God is willing to listen and to negotiate and to accept uh, people's opinion. How come we, human beings, just because we receive authority, we don't listen to others? And a priest or a bishop who is self-willed and does not listen to others, this reflects his incapability of controlling himself and his passions and his desires. That's why that's the first requirement, not to be self-willed. Doesn't follow his own will, but willing to listen and to receive feedback, feedback from others. Not quick-tempered, has control over his temper. Doesn't easily get agitated or aggravated or frustrated, has a good control on his emotions, not given to mind. He knows his boundaries, and he does not allow anything to control him. He's not under the control of any substance. Not violent. Again, violence is the daughter of anger. A person who does not control his temper can turn into violence. Not greedy for money. This is the love of money, another passion. Love of money. And maybe uh, I use my authority in order to make more profit for myself and, and more gain for myself. So all these points are related to his control over his emotions and his passions. Because a person who is lacking control, he, he doesn't develop self-control, definitely will be self-willed, he will be quick-tempered, he will be given to wine, he will be violent, he will be greedy. So the first area, his family. The second area, how he disciplines himself and how he controls his emotions. The third area, how he deals with others. The bishop or the priest, all his ministry is dealing with others. And he has to demonstrate good example in dealing with others. That's why in verse uh, 8, he said, but hospitable, generous, opening his heart before his house to others, 
والسوسكتاليتي والجنراسيتي والنار Another of what is good. Another of what is good. Usually encourage and motivate good behavior, good example. And he himself is a tree full of good fruits, good words. Sober-minded. Sober-minded means just means wise, means he is not hasty in his decision, but rationalize, think, add to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to make wise decisions. Because as a church leader, he will make a decision that influences the life of many, many people. That's why he has to be sober-minded. Just, just means what? Many people come to the priest to make judgment. And that's why he shouldn't have, he shouldn't show any partiality. But has to be just and fair for everybody. Deals all people in the same level. Does not distinguish between rich or poor, between friend or enemy between child or uh, other, or old person, elder, between man or woman, has to be just and fair in his dealings with other. Whom? In his dealings with other, his heart should be empty of any uh, uh, unholy passion, but deals with everybody with holiness and righteousness. Self-control. He can he can control and he can discipline himself well. So the first area is family. Second area his passions and desires. And third area his dealing with others. How he deals with others. Hospitable, uh, lover of what's good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-control. And the fourth area. His faith, his doctrine, does he know the, 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 the truth or he is deceived by false teaching? Because the priest or the bishop will be in charge of teaching. That's why he should know and live according to the sound doctrine of the Bible. That's why in verse 1 he says, holding fast the faithful word, as he has been taught. So what I receive, I should give it without adding my own personal interpretation. All the heresies, all the false teaching came from personal interpretation. Why do we have so many denominations right now? because of the private interpretation of the word of God. Actually, if all the Christians hold fast the faithful word as they were taught, until now we should be one church. But the fact is that there are so many different denominations because we did not hold fast 
the sinful world as we were taught. But everybody added his own personal interpretation and private interpretation to the word of God. And the priest and the, the bishop should be very, very aware of this. To teach the sound doctrine as he has been taught. That he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. If he is well established in the faith and the doctrines, then, number one, he will be able to exhort, to teach the believers, to teach them the sound doctrine, and make them grow in faith. And those who oppose the doctrine, he will be able to convict them, to convict those contradict. That's why it's very important to be well established in the true faith and understand the sound doctrine in order to be able to convict those who contradict and also to exhort the believers. These are the four areas that we should examine before appointing a priest. Number one is family. Number two, uh, his passion and his emotion, whether he can control his passions and emotions or not. Number three, his relationship with others. And number four, his faith and his doctrine. And then from verse 19, he starts to speak about the false teachers. The false teachers. For there are many in subordinate. The first criterion of the false teacher, they are in subordinate. They are lenient. They don't obey the word of truth. They don't obey the tradition of the church. But they lean on their own understanding. There are wives in their own hearts, and as I told you, all the heretics and all the heresies and all the false teaching came from private and personal interpretation. Once the person starts to rebel, to be insubordinate and trust his own understanding, realize in his own eyes, he will turn into a false teaching. That's why he said, number one, for there are many insubordinate. Both idle talker and deceivers. They talk a lot, but there is no teaching, there is no food, there is no nourishment in their thoughts. That's why he said idle talkers. But rather they deceive. They deceive. They deceive according to their father, Satan. Because the power of Satan lies in his ability to deceive. And if Satan lost the power to deceive, actually he will be powerless. So the power of Satan lies in his ability to deceive. And that's why the false teachers, Satan gives them the ability also to deceive, in order to deceive the simple people and make them drift away from the truth. So they are insubordinate, 
Either it's okay, we talk a lot, but there is no food, there is no nourishment in their thoughts, and they are deceivers. Especially those of the circumcision. Apparently, St. Paul was speaking about a certain group. Some believers were from Jewish backgrounds. That's whom he called of the circumcision. Usually when you read the art from the circumcision, means from Jewish background. And they were teaching, you need to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And they don't understand that the law of Moses was a temple to the salvation that's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, circumcision is a symbol of the thing. The sacrifices is a symbol of the communion, the Eucharist. So that actually, we keep the baptism, we keep the communion, there is no need to keep the sacrifices and there is no need to keep the uh, circumcision because these are symbols. And that's what the Lord said, I did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. To fulfill it, now the symbol is fulfilled in uh, the antipathy. Uh, as circumcision is fulfilled in, in baptism. That's why St. Paul said, those teachers who teach that you need to keep the law in order to be saved, they are false teachers. They are insubordinate. Why they are insubordinate? Because in the first council in Jerusalem that was mentioned to us in Acts chapter 15, the apostles decided it is for the Gentiles, they don't have to keep the law of Moses because it's fulfilled in the New Testament, the works of law. Verse 11, whose mouth must be stopped. Whose mouth must be stopped. And this is the responsibility of the mission. To be able to stop the mouth of the false teachers, have. Number one, by preaching the sound doctrine. And number two, when it is needed, maybe he can use the authority given by the Lord Jesus Christ to excommunicate the false teachers from the church so that they will not deceive the simple people. That's why St. Paul said, whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole households? The apostles or the disciples of Christ, the ministers of Christ, are peacemakers. But those people actually, they uh, produce uh, conflict and division. They subvert whole households. They make conflict and confusion in, in, in the household. They are not peacemakers. Teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. And you can see how many houses, for example, when there is a false teacher in the middle, how many houses divide, divide 
Some people will follow this false teacher, and the other they will follow him. That's why the house is divided because of these false teachers. And many times they are motivated or moved by personal gain. Whether this game is a materialistic game or a game of fame, popularity, pride. Like this person who went to Egypt and said, I'm a patriot. Although he is against the holy tradition in everything. And unfortunately, some people are deceived and following him. Actually, these words are applied on him. He deceives people. He, he subverts whole uh, household, teaching things which he should not teach. For the sake of this honest gain, gain of popularity, gain of fame, just to fulfill the desire of priesthood. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, This was said by a poet, but uh, in Greece they used to consider the poets prophets. And they used to believe that they are inspired by God. So when St. Paul said one of them, one of the Cretans, one of the people of Crete, a prophet according to their own understanding, but St. Paul is not saying he's a prophet from God. But according to their own understanding, a prophet, that's why he said, a prophet of their own, said. This prophet actually, or this poet, his name is Abimenides. Abimenides. And he wrote his poems uh, in the year 6 before Christ. In the year 6 before Christ. And he was the one who instructed them to build an altar for the unknown God. If you remember when St. Paul went to Athens and he entered Aristarchus, uh, he told them, while I was walking in your city, I saw an idol written or dedicated for unknown God. This uh, idol was built according to the instruction of this uh, poet Abimenides. And actually, uh, St. Paul caught from him here, Cretans are always liars, even beasts, lazy gluttons. These are the words of the poem. But let me tell you the whole point of Abimenides. Because St. Paul quote uh, from this point twice. One time here and the other time in Acts, chapter 17, verse 28, when he was speaking in uh, Adam's backs.
And the whole point says, they need to guard a tomb, almost high and holy one. Cretans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. But you are not dead. You are living forever. Because with you we live and move and have our being. By you we live and move and have our being. St. Paul used this in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. As we read, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. So it is the same poet here who said, uh, by whom we live, move, and have our being. This is the same one. And his name is Abimimimus. So how Abimimimus described the Cretans? He said, Cretans are always liars. Are always liars. They lie all the time. So you cannot trust them. Evil beasts, why he said evil beasts? Because they are controlled by their desires and their lusts. They are not the animal, the beasts. They are not controlled by their mind or their spirit, but they are led and controlled by the desires of their flesh. Lazy gluttons. All of they need to eat and to drink and to enjoy sin. And that's it. And they don't want to work. Lazy, lazy glasses. This testimony is true. Apparently when St. Paul uh, lived in Crete for some time and preached there to establish the new church, he found that the Cretans are like this. That's why St. Paul is saying this testimony is true. And here he's saying to Titus, they have a responsibility. Because with the wealth of truth, you need to transform those people to be in the image and the likeness of Christ. Yes, you have a big responsibility, but don't forget, you have the peace, the grace, and the mercy of God with you. Grace to assist you. Mercy in order to forgive the sins of these people and transform them. And peace in order to keep your, your, your peace and to hold yourself while you are living in their midst. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. That's another responsibility of the mission. To rebuke those who are living ungodly life, to rebuke them sharply. Why? To bring them to repentance. To bring them back to Christ. The father who loves his son disciplines him. So this rebuke is not out of anger, but out of love. Rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith. And some will believe if you have some faith, then you will be transformed. The true knowledge will transform our life. And, and St. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. 
be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So when we have the true knowledge, this will transform our life. So where to start? Where to start with a person who is living away from God? Start with his knowledge. Correct his understanding. This the the the, the, the beginning step here, the first step here. So rebuke them sharply that they may be found in the gate. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from truth, from the truth. So it won't differentiate between the tradition of men and the tradition of God. And apparently the Jewish teacher, they added many, many traditions according to the desires of men. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, when he rebuked the scribes and Pharisees, he told them, you, you make people carry heavy burdens, and you cannot move these burdens with your finger. That's why St. Paul said, uh, rebuke them sharply, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, and to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. One of the teachings of men, or tradition of men that St. Paul was attacking, many Jewish leaders, they were teaching that eating uh, meat uh, that was offered to idols is unclean, is sin. And also, the Gnostic who also exists in Greece, in, in Greece they were teaching that marriage is sin, and also uh, eating meat is sin, uncleanness. That's why St. Paul is saying, to the pure, all things are pure. If you have purity in your heart, everything will be pure for you. But why does false teacher perceive that eating certain kind of food is unclean, or marriage is unclean? He said, to those who are defiled, and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their internal impurity is reflected to their perception. So they perceive everything as impure, because from within they are defiled, and they don't have the sound doctrine. That's why he called them unbelievers. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. So, when the mind and conscience are defiled, everything will be impure. That's why that's the starting point. The starting point is to teach them the sound doctrine. To teach them the sound doctrine, to be sound in faith. Otherwise, their mind and their uh, conscience will be defiled. And he concluded by, uh, this chapter by saying, how can you uh, point out the false teacher. He said the false teacher there is discrepancy between what he said and how he teaches. He said they profess to know God. They say we know God and we preach God. But in words they deny him. 
Usually bad theology produces bad behavior. Bad theology produces bad behavior. As I told you, the true knowledge transforms the life of the person in the same way bad theology produces bad behavior. They profess to know God, but in words they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Because their heart is defiled, their mind is defiled, their conscience is defiled, that's why with their action, with their words, they are also defiled. They do uh, unclean things and, and impure words. That's what we said about miracles. Disobedient, they rebel. They rebel against the authority of God, authority of the church, authority of uh, parents. They are rebelling against every authority. They are disobedient. And because their heart is defiled, their mind is defiled, and their uh, conscience is defiled, actually they are disqualified for every good work. They cannot. Because how can you uh, get good fruit from a bad tree? Good tree produces good fruits, and bad tree produces bad fruits. So this is the bad tree. That's why the fruits are bad. And, uh, and that's why St. Paul said they are disqualified. They don't have the qualification to do any good work. They are disqualified for every so in this chapter, St. Paul started by his greeting to them and to Titus. Then he spoke about the qualification of the clergy, and then he spoke about the false teachers. There are any questions or comments in this chapter? Yes. From the fruit, you can judge them, you can know them. So the sound doctrine does have something to do with reason, so by reason you can tell that they follow. Definitely, you judge the teaching, if they are teaching not according to the truth of the Bible, then they are false teachers. For example, you know, the Bible teaches clearly no divorce except for adultery. Uh, the person who is claiming that he is the patriarch in Egypt, now he teaches no, he can't divorce for any reason. So from this teaching, you can judge this is a false teaching because he is not holding fast to the truth in the Bible. But so I have to use, don't have to use reason, the sound doctrine, the logic to go ahead and understand this. In other words, if I didn't, wasn't able to read, then I wouldn't be able to know the difference. You need to, you need to, to be yourself grounded in the sound doctrine in order to, to, to distinguish between sound and false. Yes. You need to be sound grounded in, in, in sound doctrine. Yes. Uh, the qualifications are 
there are four, the four points for the qualifications. Are they in any order? Because the tape is the fourth one. No, no, you just mentioned four points, so there's no specific order. Just um, for the four points for qualification for a priest, does the priest have to have a family for you to go to say, um, this, to see his kids? You know, I was like, you know, there's a, he has to have a family, he has to be chosen by his kids and everything. Well, some priests are picked before the family exists, per se. How would it yeah, at least it comes up strong. Yeah, if you don't have children or, or, or his children and still young, he comes up, you know, you look at the family, you know, the priest and his wife, you know, and uh, are they living godly life, not in dissipation, not in subordination. Just for in, in 10 minutes exactly, I will give family uh, in Arabic uh, for, uh, for the chapter for those who don't understand English. Uh, 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 Allah. 
فيبقى اذا بولس الرسول بيقول انا رسول عشان ابشر الناس بالايمان عشان اعرفهم الحق اللي يخليهم يعيشوا في التقوى علشان يقدروا يلبسوا الحياه الابديه. طب وايه اللي يضمنني ان انا البس الحياه الابديه؟ قال لك ان ده وعد من ربنا. ربنا المنزه عن الكذب، ربنا لا يستطيع ان يكذب. والوعد ده ربنا عمله قبل الازمنه الابديه. فده وعد غير متغير. فوعد صادق وامين. شير الشيطان ربنا يقول حسب وعودك الصادقه غير الكاذبه. وانما اظهرت كلماته الخاصه في اوقاتها كلمات اللي هو ابنه. اظهر الابن الوحيد تجسد في اوقاتها الخاصه. في اوقاتها الخاصه يعني في ملك الزمان في الوقت المعين من الله لتتميم الخلاص ارسل ابنه علشان يتمم الخلاص. بالدراسه التي اتممت انا عليها اللي هو بولس الرسول بيجلس في هذه الكراسة لكلمة ربنا بحسب أمر مخلص من الله، لأن ربنا أمر الرسل إن هم يبشروا بالإنجيل والخليفة أيضا. قول الرسالة دي أنا ببعثها إلى تيتوس الابن الصريح حسب المال المشترك، الابن الابن هو قاعد على يد بولس الرسول، لأن تيتوس ده كان أمر. والإيمان المشترك يعني إيمان تيتوس وإيمان بولس هو إيمان واحد مش إيمان مختلف. بالفضل والنعمة والرحمة والسلام من الله الآب والرب يسوع المسيح المخلص. كل إنسان في الدنيا دي محتاج نعمة، لأن من غير نعمة ما نقدرش نحقق أي نجاح في حياتنا. والعالم مليان بالاضطرابات، عشان كده محتاجين سلام، عشان كده بص رسول كتير والنعمة والسلام، نعمة والسلام. هنا ظهرت كلمة رحمة، لأن زي ما هنعرف دلوقتي إن كريت دي كان شعبها شعب صعب، وشعب مليان بالخطية. فهو هنا بيطلب من رحم ربنا علشان هم محتاجين المغفره زي ما بنقول في القداس فرحمة الكرامه والناس بيتذكروا ايه الهدف اللي سابق في كريت؟ بيقولوا من اجل هذا تركتك في كريت، ليه؟ لكي تكمل ترتيب الامور الناقصه. يعني بولس الرسول راح وبشرهم امنوا بالمسيح، كان في بقى رساله كهنه وتاسيس كنايس ويسلمهم الليتولوجيا ازاي والاسرار، كل الحاجات دي. فقال انا سبتك كاسقف في كريت عشان تخلص الحاجات دي اللي انا ما حدش عاملها وتقيم في كل مدينه شيوخ شيوخ يعني الخصوص يعني تعين في كل مدينه كهنه عشان يرعوا الشعب كما اوصيته. فبيقول له طيب ازاي تختار الكهنه بتوعك؟ قال له تبص على اربع حاجات انت تختار الكهنه. اول حاجه تبص على اسرته. عليه هو واسرته يعني. قال اول حاجه ان كان احد بلا لوم بعد امرأة واحدة بقاش بلا خطية انما قال بلا نوم لان كلنا خطايا لكن هناك بعض زي ما يقول السرسول بيقول بعض هناك خطايا تتقدم الناس الى القضاء يعني في حاجات تبقى مرسوكة على الانسان ده ما ينفعش ان واحد يكون له مثلا سيرة رضية او واحد ظلم حد مثلا في مبالغ من الاموال او واحد قاسي ما ينفعش ان ده يكون ملام ويبقى بعد كده مكان او اسر فقال يكون بلا لوم. اسرته يكون بعد امراه واحده لان يعني هو من الباب خلقهم الله ذكر وانثى. والزوجه الواحده دي شريعه الهيه. فما ينفعش كل واحد يتزوج اكثر من مره يبقى كافر. قال له بعد امراه واحده. له اولاد مؤمنون. في في تيموثاوس يقول له لو ما بيعرفش يدبر بيته كيف يؤتمر على كنيسه الله؟ 
يعني ربنا مش عارف يربي اولاده ازاي يربي في عيله ربنا وكنيسه ربنا فعلشان كده قال لك بص لاولاد شوف الى اي مدى هو نجح في تربيه اولاده احنا اولادنا مهم ليسوا في شكايه الخلاعه ولا متمردين هنا خصوصا ما حدش ماسك عليهم الشكوى نجيب سلوكهم ما يبقاش مثلا في خلاعة من جهة اللبس من جهة السلوك من جهة التصرف فأول حاجة بيكون فيهم الحياة التقوية والحاجة الثانية ولا متمردين لأن التمرد ده علامة الإنسان بيرفض السلطة ولو بيرفض السلطة بيرفض سلطة ربنا فالإنسان المسيحي الحقيقي يخضع للسلطة فأول نقطة قال له الأسرة، ثاني نقطة قال له طب مشاعر خصوصاً إن الكاهن أو الأسرة ده وكيل ربنا يعني في اللاهوت الأسرة اسمه هو أيقونة المسيح فالناس بتبص له على إن هو ده أيقونة المسيح عايزين يشوفوا ربنا فيه فقال لأن يجب أن يكون الأسرة بلا لوم كوكيل الله غير معجب بنفسه يعني مش متمسك برأيه مش مستبد مش متصلب مش متحكم لكن مستعد يجادل، مستعد يسمع، مستعد يناقش، مستعد يقول اه انا راجل غلط انت راجل صح غير معجب بنفسه. ولا غضوب، مش اي حاجه تنرفزه ويضرب اعصابه. ولا رد من الخمر. برضه قال له ضبط ولا براد، مش حاجه تنرفزه يقوم يزعق ويضرب ويتنرفز. ولا طامع في ربح قبيح وما عندوش محبه المال. فبالتالي نقطه تبص عليها ايه مدى ضبطه لمشاعره وعواطفه وشهواته وغرائزه. النقطه الثالثه علاقته بالاخرين شكلها ايه؟ لان كانت بتصرف طول الوقت بتتعامل مع الناس. فايه علاقته بالاخرين؟ المضيفه للغرباء. مضيفه للغرباء. انسان عنده كرم وعنده حب محبا للخير. دايما يطلع الخير مع كل واحد. ويشوف اي حد محتاج يساعده ان الاسر او الكاهن ده اب متعقدا ما بياخدش قرارات سريعه لان ممكن القرارات دي تاثر على الكوميونتي كلها فلازم يفكر ويبقى حكيم في القرارات اللي بياخدها بارا ورعه الناس تشوف في مهاره تشوف في بر تشوف في صوره ربنا ضابطا لنفسه له جبته وله وقاره وله احترامه والحاجة الرابعة إذا اتكلم على ضغطه وغرائزه وشهواته، اتكلم على علاقة الآخرين، اتكلم على أسرته. الحاجة الرابعة التعليم، إيمان. هل هو عنده عقيدة سليمة ولا عقيدته ملخبطة؟ خصوصاً ده بيعلم الناس. الملازمة للكلمة الصادقة التي بحسب التعليم. يعني متمسك بالعقيدة السليمة. ليه؟ لأن ده هيعز الناس. قال عشان يكون قادراً أن يعز بالتعليم الصحيح. ولو واحد طلع عنده في الكنيسه بتفكير غريب ولا بدعه ولا راي غريب يقدر يرد عليه من الكتاب المقدس، قال لك ويوبخ المناقضين. الرد الاربع بعد كده من الايه 10 ابتدى يتكلم على ايه؟ ابتدى يتكلم على المعلمين كذا. قال له كانما يوجد كثيرون متمردين. ايه اللي يخلي الواحد يتحول الى هنطوقي؟ انه يبتدي يتمرد على الصوت. يقول لك انا اخضع للكنيسه، انا اخضع لاداء الكنيسه، هو بقى هنا حكيم في عيني نفسه. فقال لك يوجد كثيرون متمردين يتكلمون بالباطل، يتكلموا كتير كتير انما ما فيش كلام يبني. ويخدعون العقول، الشيطان 
بيستخدم الخداع علشان يوقع نص الخطيئه زي ما كان حكمنا حول فبرضه المعلمين يكذبوا باستخدام الخداع. قال لقاد القيامه الذين من اهل الختاب الناس اللي هم كان اصلهم يهودي وعايزين يقولوا ان يجب ان تتهود علشان تخلص او يفرض عليهم تعليم غريبه التعليم هي تقليد الناس وليس وصيه الله. قال يجب سد افواههم يجب سد افواههم ان الاسقف يسد افواههم يا اما بان هو يرد عليهم من الكتاب المقدس وان لازم الامر ممكن يحرم الهرطقه من الكنيسه. لانهم يقلبون بيوتا بجملتها. ولاد ربنا صانع سلام لما تقول لك تقلب البيت تخش كده الاسره يقول لك فلان ده تبع فلان وانما الباقيين تبع الكنيسه وتبع الحق فقسم الاسره الاسره اتقسمت يقلبون بيوتا بجملتها. معلمين ما لا يجب من اجل الربح القبيح. يعني دايما في هدف الربح ده ممكن يكون حمايه ممكن يكون شغل ممكن يكون سلطه اي نوع من انواع الربح. قال واحد منهم وهو نبي لهم خاص. كان هم بيسموا الشعراء بتوع الانبياء. مش كده بيقول اللي هو النبي ما يقصدش ان هو نبي من الله لكن يقصد ان هو حسب تعريفهم هو نبي. قال الكريتيون دائما كذبوا. اللي قال الجمله واحد اسمه ابيمينيدس. ابيمينيدس ده كان في سته قبل الميلاد وهو اللي قال لهم يبنوا مسبح الاله مكبول. عارفين لما راح اسينا ولقى في مسبح الاله مكبول هو ده. وعنده قصيده شعر بولس الرسول اقتبس منها مرتين. مرة اقتبس منها وهو موجود في ايلس باغوس اللي هي بتاع 17 28 والاقتباس الثاني اللي هو قاله هنا. هقول لكم قصيدة الشعر كلها او البيت بتقول ايه؟ لقد سمعوا والله قبرا ايها القدوس الاعلى والكريتيون دائما كذابون وحوش غضيه بطون بطاله ولكنك لست ميتا الى الابد انت قائم وحي لانه بك نحيا ولا تحرك ونوجد. بك نحيا ولا تحرك ونوجد دي اللي قالها في اعمال 17 28 والكريتيون دائما كذابون وحوش غضيه بطون بطاله دي اللي قالها هنا بولس الرسول. ف فهو عايز يقول حتى شعرائهم قالوا عنهم كده قالوا ان هم كذابين كذابين هتقول لك كان في مثلا عندهم يقول لك يعني لما تقابل الكريتي تكذب اللي هم كلهم كذابين فتبدا على مش عارف الحق من 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 الصدق في اللي هم بيقولوه قال لك الكريتيون دائما كذابون وحوش رضيه وحوش رضيه ليه؟ لان ايه اللي بيقودهم شهواتهم وغرائزهم؟ لا عقلهم ولا روح بتاعتهم. فهي شهواتهم هي اللي بتقودهم. بطول بطاله. كل همهم ازاي يملوا بطنهم وازاي يعيشوا في نجاسه الخطيه. وقال هذه الشهاده الصادقه لان بولس الرسول قعد فتره في كريت لما بشرهم فلما اتعامل معاهم قال فعلا ان قالوا عليهم ابيميتس ده شهاده صادقه. قالوا فلهذا السبب وبخوا بصرامة وبخوا عشان تقدم للكتوب التوبيخ هنا علامة الحب الذي يحب الرب يقدمه لكي يكونوا أصحاء في الإيمان لأن الإيمان السليم يخلي التصرف والسلوك يبقى سليم الشجرة 
الجريده تصنع سمر جامد والشجره الغذيه تصنع سمر فالواقفه الصغيره لكي يكونوا اصحاء في الامام لا يصلون الى خرافات يهوديه ووصايا اناس منتدين عن الحق. انا عشان الناس ما يسمعوش الخرافات بتوع اليهود ويقولوا لهم لازم تتهودوا في الاول ولا وصايا ناس زي يمنعوا عن الجواز ويقولوا الجواز حرام وخطيه او يمنعوا عن اكل اللحم. وده كده بيعتدوا عن الحق. قال لان كل شيء ظاهر للظاهرين. كل شيء ظاهر للظاهرين. فالناس اللي بينجزوا الجواز واللي بينجزوا الاكل ده اللي هم من جوه انهم مشتركين. قال لك اما للناجسين وغير المؤمنين الانسان لما يكون من جوه مش طاهر شوف كل حاجه ناجسه. فقال الانسان الناجس وغير المؤمن فليس الشيء ظاهر بل قد تنجز ذهنهم ايضا وضميرهم. لان عقله تنجز وضميره تنجز هو بيشوف كل حاجه غير طاهر طب ازاي اعرف النادي الكذاب أو المعلم الكذاب من المعلم الصادق. هذا ابتلاء التعاليم مش ماشي مع السطور. يعترفون بأنهم يعرفون الله ولكنهم بالأعمال ينكرونه. في وسط أعمالهم تلاقيهم ما فيهاش معرفة الله. اسمهم راجسون. راجسون يعني عايشين في الخطية، عايشين في في النجاسة. غير طائعين متمردين على كل سلطة من ضمنها سلطة ربنا. ومن جهه كل عمل صالح من فضول، يعني لا يقتروا ان يعملوا عمل صالح لان الشجره رضيه، فشجره رضيه ازاي تطلع ثمر جيد ما ينفعش. يا جماعه انك تتابع.